Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Basically. With me in studio today, I have one that is completely driven by my own interest and intrigue. With me in studio, I have Andrew Roberts, who is the Group Head of Catering at the Matter Private Hospital. Welcome to the studio. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. When people think of the Matter Private, I'm sure the first thing they think of is not about the catering or what it takes. But I am fascinated. The Matter Private is a a hospital very close to my heart. I was in it all of the time with my grandmother and... She would often walk past the canteen to get down to the elevators where she would go up to get her eyes yeah, done. That's right, yeah. And she'd be like, God, that smells lovely now. We could go in afterwards and get some, <laughs> you know, sausages or beans or whatever it was going. But then always after the injection, she didn't really have the taste for it anymore. Can you talk to me about what is involved with the huge operation that is, I guess, feeding patients, but mm-hmm. also staff and visitors in in an organisation that big. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that about the, the restaurants because not everybody would, would know that when you walk into the main entrance of the, the matter privates. We feed a number of patients, obviously, every day, but by patient choice, and again, not a lot of people would know this, that the patient doesn't have to be receiving their meal in their bedroom. They can actually come down to the, the restaurant if they're able-bodied, of course, and subject to their particular diets. They can come down and have one of the, the, the delicious meals down in the restaurant as well as being, being served in their bedroom. And do they have to come down then and say, I'm I'm from room 205 or... Because well, you it. pay for it at the till, right? That's Wait, right, if you, yeah. If you're just a guest. They, they would have their patient identifier. We, we would oh, know yeah. that they're a patient. Now, the more able-bodied patients that might want something a bit more more interesting than just sitting in their, their rooms all day, mm-hmm. they can come down and actually help them pass the time. It can be a long time from when they wake up to when they go to bed. They, they might not guest any visitors, for example, yeah. during the day, it's important for us as, as, as a catering team to not just serve the, the meal, but also give them a good patient experience. Yeah, because that is the thing, like my most recent hospital experience would have been in the maternity hospital. Mm. And that moment where someone comes in to deliver food to you, it might be the only, you know, nurses are so busy. It might be the only face you see for a couple of hours. So you're kind of yeah. like, give me something. Is that part of the sort of the training and the brief when people are giving out the meals. It completely is. And I think one of the things which is important and what I wanted to say and, and let your listeners know as well today, that the difference between the patients that come to us and have their meals versus, say, a customer in a restaurant. I, I want to I wanna kind of labour the point that our guests, our patients, our customers, whatever you want to refer to them as, they don't necessarily want to be there. Yes. Almost 100% of our patients don't want to be in the okay. hospital. Whereas in a restaurant... Almost 100% of the people want, want to, be to be there. They go there for the experience. Aside from if it was a, a bad first date or a meal with your mother-in-law or something like that. Yeah. You know, most of the time you want to be in that restaurant um, mm-hmm. environment. So as you mentioned there correctly, it, it is a case that the patient might not see anybody else that day other than the, the superb medical team. And so it is important that when the catering team bring the food, it isn't just a, a tray of food that's delivered and leaving the room. It's that two minute, three minute, five minute conversation, whatever it takes to talk about the food, to talk about the weather, to talk about the day that, that's in it. Those few minutes are equally as important as the meal that's served. And talk to me about the operations of it then. Mm. Like, do you come in on a Monday morning and or on a Sunday and make 
a menu for the week? How do you know how much food to order? Is there yeah. a big, massive kitchen? Does a lot of it come in made? How does it all work? So it's, so in the private hospital, everything is, is freshly made. We we, um, we make things to order. So we would take the um, the menus the day before from the patient. So for example... Oh yeah, you get a little menu we, and you tick the box. Well, that, that's, that's what it used to be. It used to be very much the pen and paper. Now it's all kind of on, on a live system, on a tablet. It's a catering management oh, application cool. that we have. Wow. So we have a menus team that literally visit every one of the patients and take their next day's menu order, be it breakfast, lunch and the, the evening meal. So that way we're in, we're organized in advance. We know how much food to, to purchase in. We mm-hmm. know what needs to be produced the next day, but we keep it as, as live and as fresh and we cook literally just before the breakfast, just before the lunch and just before the evening meal for them. And how many patients and customers are you cooking for on average in a day? Yeah, so we could be cooking for 200 patients, breakfast, lunch and the evening meal. So that could be 600 meals per day, yeah. plus the restaurants, plus any of our day cases. So we could be serving up to about a thousand meals a day. Oh my God. So to give a bit of context there, I mean, okay, a little bit quieter on, on the weekends, but when you do the, the, the multipliers, I mean, you could be serving up to, to 6,000 meals a week, a week, which is around about 300,000 meals per year. And if, if you look at that in terms of context, um, that's, that's the size of possibly all of Wexford and all of Wicklow together. Oh, my God. All served in the one hospital. And is it a case that, like, if, say because this sometimes happens. So say you were expecting to get out of hospital on the Tuesday, yeah. but then on Monday night you're told, oh, actually you have to stay in and someone hasn't taken... Like, mm. Is there a bit of wiggle room there? Or Absolutely is it- there is, yeah. yeah. yeah now, there's always a bit of liaison between the catering team and the, the, the nurses themselves, of course. You know, there could be patients that are discharged early, which is fantastic for them, of course. But obviously as a catering team, the kitchen would need to know that. Yes, yeah, okay. And then on the other side of things as well, if a patient, patient unfortunately would need to stay for an extra 24, 48 hours for whatever the reason is, they're not going to to go without anything to eat that's for sure because you're a hospital would you have a lot of like dietary requirements like I imagine yeah Yeah. I mean there's there's a lot of considerations that we would need to give to each patient why they're in with us of course why they're in the hospital what their their ailment is what diets that they can be put on the allergens of course that that come and everybody would know about about those nowadays from eating out in restaurants Mm -hmm. and the fact that everybody nowadays really is a food critic in themselves. I mean, if you take it back a few decades into the 80s, you put the television on and you might get one food program. There might be Keith Floyd with his glass of red wine and and, and that's all you, you would know about um, the TV. But nowadays, you have everything from MasterChef to uh, Saturday Kitchen to food critics to influencers to all, all these other aspects. So everybody in their own right. And, and, and of course, dining out has become much, much more popular over, the, over recent years. So everybody comes into that hospital and will have an opinion. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not just as easy as putting food on a plate and giving it to the patient. They have their expectations. They know what they want. And more importantly, they know what they don't want. But is it sometimes a case of saying like, this is a hospital, like this is not a restaurant? Like, yes, it is a restaurant, but like you're here for medical needs. Mm. This is not a culinary experience. Well, I mean, I, I, I appreciate that, that how that could come across, but we, we like to, to think that we can provide to our patients exactly what they want. want. We have to consider that you may have a patient who's, who's going through a particular type of trauma. There could be a, a patient who they can't face a meal, but yeah. it's vital as part of their recuperation that they, they have the nutrition. So for us, it's a case of if the meal doesn't suit them, we'll often visit them. We have our catering management team. They'll visit the patient and ask, what would you normally eat at home? What what, what can you eat? If it's a case of them getting a few calories into their body rather mm-hmm. than nothing because they're in, in any discomfort from any treatment they might have had or they're in some a period of rehabilitation, it's important that we try to get that that nutrition into them. So it might be that we have to ask them, well, what would you normally eat at home? And if they, they can 
tell us what they would normally have. If we can, if we can put that together, we will. And is nutrition factored into, you know, like the health components, the calories, the nutrition of a meal when you're setting it for a hospital? different to where you might be catering you know like it would it would absolutely i mean you can take your your extremes you can take your fine dining restaurants your michelin stars and so on and they're all about their airs and their foams and how it looks and so on yeah that's that's one side then you've your, your general restaurants and hotels that are providing a meal for people to go out for enjoyment in the hospital we try to bring in a little bit of everything it has to be that it's something that looks looks fantastic on the plate for them it has mm-hmm. to be something that gives them the nutrition but the nutritional content is is vital and we work with a team of dietitians to ensure that they're, they're getting that there's certain ways to cook things if you overcook something for example vegetables or fish you start to lose the nutritional value mm-hmm. so it's important that everything's cooked right and everything's cooked to that that, that correct calorific content so you might want to be let's just say a, a patient might need 1500 calories or 2000 calories whatever it is that they're going to be aiming for we have to, to to cook portion sizes quantities and so on to try and aim for that as part of their rehabilitation it isn't just the medication which improves the patients it's 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 a lot to do with the Very nutrition, nutrition. Mm-hmm. and then like from your experience of being how long have you been in the hospital i'm in the hospital almost six years now almost six years mm-hmm. have you ever had any strange requests we, we, we get strange requests, um, absolutely. I mean, you might be aware that over the years, the, the stigma of, of, of hospital food or aeroplane food or food in a, in a train station is often something which, which is there, but we've moved on from that in, in the matter private. We like to think of it as, as a dining experience as well. Yeah. So sometimes we will, we will ask the patients, as I mentioned earlier, what is it that they can eat if they're not liking anything on the menu? And we have certain diets that are broken down. So we might have cardiac patients. And just for your listeners, a cardiac patient, they, they wouldn't be able to have, say, a meal which is high in salt. So it, okay. ordering a, a full Irish breakfast with all the bacon and the pudding and the, the sausage and so on, that wouldn't be for them. Is that their responsibility or your that's, responsibility? That's ours, absolutely. So ours. not to give we, to And them. we would liaise with the dietitians yeah. for that, just to see what they can have. So yeah. so we're looking at, at something which is, is, is low in salts now. The patients, they could have various medication at the time and they could be in, in a, a place which is foreign to them. And, you know, things can be difficult for them. And we have to be able to say say, say no in the, the kindest way, of course. But then, of course, they have visitors. And we had a very strange request that um, somebody said, well, I don't really fancy anything off the menu. Could I just order in a McDonald's? <laughs> and that's not something that we can do for a variety of reasons, health yeah. and safety and so on, that we can't just order in a, in, in a McDonald's or, or a pizza or something that they, they might say, oh, that's what I have at home. Yeah. So we've had instances where we've had visitors and we've had to kind of just, just watch them a little bit more carefully in case they try to smuggle something in, okay, which could be wow. even, even salt sachets, which is, you know, you think they're trying to do the, the right thing for their, their, their loved, loved one, one or their colleague or their friend or whoever it but is. It could be inadvertently but killing ex- them. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if I'll go, I'll go that, that far. But, but damaging um, them But absolutely, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's more the the um, the extra requests like that that we do have to take them seriously but also keep an eye on. And so do you, like in that case, you say, no, like we can't order you McDonald's, but we'll, we'll make you <laughs> our version of burger and chips? Or? Well, if, if it was suitable along, along their diets, we will make them what, what we have, of course, yeah. um, you know, within, within reason. And how do you manage actually food safety when it comes to, like, say you cook it all and it's already at 12 o'clock. Mm-hmm. How do you get it to the person as fast as possible yeah. when you've got that many beds to deliver? That's it. We have a number of different wards and each one of those wards has a small, um, we call it a pantry. So if you can imagine, it's a, a satellite kitchen, I mm-hmm. think is the better description. So we have a number of food transportation carts, which take all of the food to the specific area. So it is broken down. So if you think of 210 patient beds, which we have, it's not a case of having to rush everything 
to each one at a time. Okay. It's broken down into smaller, more manageable portions. Much like in a restaurant, how when you have your, your waitress and your waiters, they work in, in sections. In sections. So big restaurants and it's a section. So I think that's the best way to, to look at it. So we might have a ward that takes, say, 24 patients and the, the big two, three pantry staff, if you like, catering assistants, managing two of those wards. Mm -hmm. So it's a case that things are all timed, things are loaded into these hot boxes, if you like, these transportation okay. carts, yeah. and they arrive at the um, the specific ward and then things are moved on the trays to the, the patients. Is there an awful lot of food waste? Food waste is something that we focus on an awful lot. There can be a lot of different types of food waste. So you've got your preparation waste, mm -hmm. which is when the chefs are preparing the food, things that you just can't eat. So if you if you have a dish with, say, a pineapple in it, there's going to be waste. There's going to be the skin. The there's skin, going to so be the... The spiky the, bit. Egg, <laughs> the spiky <Yeah. laughs> bit, yeah, exactly. I'm glad. So there's that type of waste. Then you've got waste right at the other end where a patient, just as I mentioned, might not meal. have had their meal. Yeah. Um, so it's about trying to reduce that as, as much as we can. So we spoke earlier about portion control. So that's one part that we try to get the right amount of food to the patient. So it's not too much, not too little, and, and they get what they need. So there's reduced waste there. Then we work with our suppliers at the, the front end. So in terms of getting produce in, we might be looking at, and again, I'll use another example of, say, onions. So instead of having to cut off all of the skin and you've got instant waste there, you can get them already already arriving, already fresh and peeled and ready to go and chopped, if you like, as well. Oh, that's really handy. So there's a few different ways that we try to eliminate waste. I won't give you all my secrets. <laughs> Do you, I'm not sure if you were working in the Matter Hospital but when this occurred, but the Matter Private actually catered my husband's first wedding. Were you there? I, I was. I started in the hospital in 2017. So okay. this was in January 2018, the 14th of January, I believe. Yeah. It, was a, it was a Sunday. Yeah. So I'd be, I'd be familiar with, with that day. With yeah. that day, mm. yeah. So for those listening who don't know, Noel was married to a lovely girl called Kathy before me. And Kathy got very ill with cancer before they were married. They were due to get married in the August. But it became clear early in January that she wasn't going to make it to August. So Noel and she decided that they would bring the wedding forward. But also it became clear that she wasn't going to be able to leave the hospital. And so I don't really know the logistics of it, but you guys stepped in and said that you would kind of host and cater the wedding in the restaurant. That's, that's right. I mean, it was it was the wish to have the, the wedding on, on that particular day. It was the Sunday. And we have a an oratory in the um, hospital as well. So they were able to actually have a ceremony of sorts and... Um, the bride and the groom and the wedding dress and the suits and the groomsmen and it was as much to be you know a natural wedding as, as possible and from the catering team when we got the the word that this is what we needed to do we had to think quickly and we had to think what can we do to make this the most special day possible for the couple involved because yeah. that's the the remit of anybody that's organizing a wedding from a food perspective so why should it be any different than us and when we were asked oh would you mind doing a few sandwiches for, for this I thought, no we can't give somebody just a few sandwiches for, for, for their wedding so the team on duty um in conjunction with the, the kitchen team of course had a look planned a, a menu Fairly quickly, three-course wedding breakfast. There was a wedding cake involved and the tables were set with, with table linen as much as we could possibly do on that day to make the restaurant into a wedding venue. Yeah. And then there was the service of the, the starter and main course of dessert, no different than any, any other, other wedding, um, the bride and the groom, and we just had made it as wedding-orientated as possible. And I think that was our, our main goal. When we were asked in the beginning to make a few sandwiches, we had to just take that idea completely out of the head and make it as every wedding that we've been to in the past. And it was like, obviously, I wasn't there, but Noel still talks about it. Mm. He said it was incredible. They were just expecting somewhere to go and give light refreshments. Yeah, obviously, yeah. the food 
was not what they were focusing on that day, but actually it became this thing. He said he remembers someone apologising to him that they didn't have a fish option. <laughs> and he was like, oh my God, I can't believe that you are treating this mm. with the sincerity and the the gravity that we are experiencing mm, yeah. with. And, and, you know, he still talks about it and, and the effort that you all went to. So, you know, I think when it comes to kind of strange requests, hosting a wedding for you know, a couple who, you know, like who were then, you know, trying to get a funeral catered That's three it, or four yeah, days later. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for that. No, not at all. I mean, it was, it, it was that bringing the two together of a, a very sad time, but also a very joyful time. time. And, and that was what we had to, to understand that we had to. Most of us have been to a wedding. Most of us understand the joyous occasion. But I don't think anybody's been to a wedding in this case. In and this. we had to take it that we had to respect the wishes of the bride and groom and give it to them as if it was a wedding that they had wanted in the in the August. So that was a Sunday. I, you're also obviously having to still feed 600 That's people it, in yeah. the hospital <laughs> and, and whatever guests mm, or visitors mm. they might have. Was it a real sort of a team effort to to do that and get keep everything going? Yeah, it was absolutely. I mean, the, the numbers come down slightly on a Sunday. I mean, we wouldn't necessarily have a, a full occupancy, but we have to be prepared as if we are going to. So we have to be ready for, for 200 patients. Now, the restaurant's obviously a little bit quieter on a, on a Sunday. You've got less people from, say, your admin teams and so on. So yes, yeah. the restaurant we could make available, make different arrangements for the for the rest of our guests and staff and so on, and just dedicate the restaurant to the, the wedding to the breakfast. Wedding. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's fabulous. Just taking a quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Rockwell Financial. Rockwell Wealth Management are proud supporters of women in business. They support this podcast, they support me, and they want to support you too. They have a free consultation for basically listeners. This is the offer. You contact them, you tell them that you listen to the Basically podcast, and they will give you a free one-to-one consultation to help you with your wealth management or any financial advice you need. We all know neck and back pain can be so debilitating. The good news is the vast majority of spinal problems can be treated successfully by regaining movement, flexibility and strength. Whether you have an existing condition or a recent injury, Matter Private has centres of excellence for spinal care in Dublin, Cork and Limerick to provide you with comprehensive diagnosis, treatment, surgery and rehabilitation. With daily clinics in five locations, it means you can access the expert spine care that you need without having far to travel, no matter where you live. Making the right move is important. And when you have neck or back pain, you want to be treated by Ireland's leading spine experts. You want a team who can look after everything spinal from the straightforward to the most complex conditions. For everything spinal, visit matterprivate.ie to find out more. What happens then, I often think about it when people come around collecting the trays, because doing dishes is my least favourite thing in the world. <laughs> How do you clean up yeah. six, like three meals a day? Are you trying to get breakfast stuff clean for lunch or is that just impossible? You have to just clean it all at the end of the day. No, no, it's it's an ongoing process. So our, our catering department, outside of the, the, the chef who comes in um, in the middle of the night, it feels like to oh, do the, wow. the breakfast preparation, which we'll talk about in a moment. But outside of that, our team would generally start about seven o'clock in the morning. Okay. And we would run through till about 8.30 in the evening. So during that time, there would be up to the, the 210 patients and the, the, the inpatients, and then we would have our, our day cases as well. And it is a case that it just revolves from breakfast to clean up through to set up for the lunch and so on and clean up again and then ready for the, the evening service. 
And are there things that can happen in the middle of that? Like we had, I had someone on from Dublin Airport, let's mm. say, and he was talking kind of like you are about these big operations, you know, get yeah. a plane in, get it clean, get it back out. But then he was talking about things that can happen in the middle of that, like a plane gets delayed in France mm. or yeah. someone falls off a ladder, like things that can go wrong that sort of derail the whole thing, but you have to keep the show on the road. What are the things that kind of you'd be looking out for that could potentially derail the rest of the day. Yeah, well, fortunately, we don't have any planes uh, <laughs> landing or anything like that. But there could be could be anything. There could be something as simple as a lift being out of service. Okay. There could be a fire alarm. There could be all of these general building aspects that could happen in any any other building. Yeah. But it is about kind of how you pull together and still get that patient meal from one area to the next and serve to the patients in 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 the best way and the freshest way possible. So it's it's about all, all hands on deck. And I was mentioning then about the chefs. It's it's worth noting that we have um, up to about a hundred people in the catering team. Oh wow! Now that's a mix of part time and full time, and that's covering seven days a week, of course. So different yeah. shift patterns, but there could be up to um, ten, eleven chefs in the kitchen at any one time. What size is the kitchen? In square footage, you, you, you've got me there. I haven't no, I, <laughs> got the no, notes I mean, on that okay, one. Okay, so let's compare terms, to this room. Yeah, so so what, what we have is it's it's splinter sections. Okay. So you mentioned then about kind of washing the dishes. That might be up to a quarter of the kitchen, just right, one okay. area where things are cleaned. Then we'd have food deliveries points because we, we need all of this for our, our hygiene, health oh, and safety hygiene. plan as well. Yeah. So there has to be a flow to the kitchen. So things arrive in with the delivery driver and they're signed in and so on. Then things will get put away into refrigeration units. Yeah. Then we've got a, a preparation area, so a breakfast, uh, a vegetable prep area. We've got um, yeah. a larder section, which would be kind of sandwiches and salads, a pastry section. And then in a separate part of the kitchen, we all have our hot section, so our main courses are prepared there. Okay. And then probably as, as vital as any part, we have a small diet bay. So in that diet bay, that's where all the different types of menus are all, all put together and pulled together. Right. So you could have patients who have um, difficulty swallowing, for example. So you might need different food that could be presented in a in a cut-up fashion. It could be a puree. It could be, um, I don't want to get too technical on all of yeah. this, but there's different types of consistencies of the food that there can be. And it's very, very important that that's all kind of pulled together towards the end at one last point. So we have our regular menus, and a lot of the patients can can go from those regular menus. I mentioned earlier about um, the different uh, the cardiac menus. We have uh, bariatric menus, so that's our patients that are suffering from certain weight problems. We've got low residue diet, so this could be patients who have digestive issues. So there's a lot of different categories that all have to be pulled together at that last minute before yeah. things are loaded into these food transportation carts and, and sent to the, the wards. So talk to me then about the like breakfast prep. So mm. chef comes in at. Like yeah, crazy so talk. so um, we've we've a very long established, well renowned breakfast chef. He's 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 famous in his own right in in the hospital, not at least from coming in at four o'clock in the morning to start to get his food prep ready. Okay, he produces fantastic Irish breakfast. He produces continental breakfasts. He produces everything else that you could imagine that you would get in a in, in a hotel. Yeah, we produce that. Then it's just a case that certain patients can only have certain, certain diets things. and so on. Okay, so then he has to have a look what's been ordered how that gets organized, cooking. He does get some help. <laughs> we allow him sure. some help. <laughs> but we have a team that comes in then half past six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock. They're staggered throughout the day. But the breakfast chef is, is, is arguably one of the key positions because he's literally the person that puts the key in the door that turns everything on and then gets everything ready before breakfast. Breakfast would be served in and around the eight o'clock mark. So we mm -hmm. would start putting things together from about half past seven and ideally have everything served within, oh, yes. within the hour. Yeah. What's fascinating to me listening to you talk is that like when you're in hospital, 
your meal just arrives, you know, mm. and and you eat it and then it gets collected. But this is all happening in the background mm. in in a building, in an institution that has that is about healthcare, you know, like mm. this, that you kind of have to be. You're sort of this secret background organisation that yeah. really keep the show on the road. Like, well, it's 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 a department in itself, of course. It's one of the largest departments outside of nursing. Yes, um, <laughs> nursing obviously is, is is the majority, but we are in 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 the basements. We are kind of tucked away, if you like. But mm-hmm. it is this big production area, and and you're right. The hospital wouldn't function without a, without a catering team. It isn't just about the medication. It, of course, there's the amazing patient care and what the consultants and the doctors and the nurses can do. Of course, but. But catering is one of those support services which is often overlooked. You, you, you're right to, to think that. And it's important for us that we manage to get that to the fore and that we have a voice, of course, in, in, in the hospital as a department, which we very much do. What was it like during COVID? Like you were obviously still an essential service. Yeah. But did you have to scale back or how did it all impact you? So I, I was anticipating you asking me about COVID and, and, and for us, it's a strange one because everything changed, but nothing changed at the same time. Okay. We still had to have the same standards. There's still the same levels of hygiene. There's still the same patients to receive their food. Nothing could change from that perspective. Mm-hmm. We still had to do the job. But then in terms of the changes, it was what everybody else was experiencing. It was the not being able to go here, not being able to go there, not being able to do this. And, and I know that's very generic, but for me coming in, I was still going into work every day. Mm-hmm. But it was difficult for suppliers to, to get everything to us that they would have before. Oh, yeah, okay. Because there was restrictions there. There was challenges with some people coming into work. I mean, it was great to, to drive in almost on, on the open roads at some point and, and yeah. uh, you know, you're a healthcare worker, so going through a, a checkpoint where you're going, say, I'm going to work. Yeah. I work in a healthcare facility and that's where you went. So there was a few small kind of speed bumps along the way, but we had to provide that exact same service to the same standards as we always did. Notwithstanding that, during COVID, I mean, there was obviously the the, the government was not was involved, of course, and I, I won't say too much about about that. But yeah. um, it was difficult, kind of working as a hospital, knowing where things were going to be from a day to day. You know, you were almost waiting for that. Um, was it was it five o'clock or six o'clock updates on the news yes, just to hear yeah. what was next? And and there was the 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 T shock or the tarnish are going to be speaking about how things would be for the next two weeks, four two weeks, weeks, six yeah, weeks. These well, are the new restrictions. So so there was there was nothing changing from one respect. But in the background, much like the rest of the world and the rest of the country, everything was changing. So say, you know, patients in hospital, you don't know who has COVID, you don't know who has what. But to deliver a meal to someone, Mm. you're getting pretty close to them. Yeah. And I don't know that there was any real talk of, there was talk about nurses and PPE Mm. and how to protect our healthcare workers. But, you know, you're the biggest department after nursing, but you're also getting as close to patient as nurses do. Was that a consideration? It, it was, and we, we followed the same precautions and guidelines as the nurses would do. So okay. you mentioned there about the PPE. That was very much something for for the catering team as well. Um, I won't go into the ins and outs of all the testing and patients coming of into course, the hospital, yeah, yeah, yeah. but when a patient was in and they're, they're, they don't have COVID, they're regular patients, and we would serve them with the, the regular PPE. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a lot more of the, the mask wearing, and that changed over time, and different masks and different grades and so on. But in a hospital, we'd, we'd be used to these sort of things. Yes, I suppose. I mean, we hear on the radio and we see all the signs up. It's washing your hands. It's coughing into your sleeve. And it's it's doing all, all these other bits. Don't touch this and wipe down door handles. And these are things that take place in the hospital on a day to day. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was difficult, if you remember, in the beginning, in, in the mid-2020, to get these the surgical masks and so on. Yes. And people really were looking for these. And now, obviously, there's an abundance of them. But for the hospital... 
part of our procurement team, that was the, the, one of their roles, to obviously make sure that there was the PPE in, in the hospitals, of course. Mm-hmm. We'd, we'd be used to having that, we'd be used to following the, the, the different protocols and so on. So the catering team was treated no differently than, than anyone else in the hospital. If there was a COVID patient, we would know it's a COVID patient, it would be signposted for us. And then there was a different level of, of PPE again, so there was different gowns and there was enhanced levels of, of precaution measures. When you think back on it, like it was such a mad time, wasn't it? Yes. It's interesting when you talk about the, the kitchen brigade and the size mm-hmm. and so on. And we could have 10 or 11 chefs working on any given day because we, we cook our food fresh. And we have a lot of different influences from, from around the globe. We have a team of chefs who can produce the, the finest local Irish dishes. We've got people who can put together Mediterranean food, the Asian cuisine. We have a French pastry chef. Um, as you can imagine, the, the, the French and their their cooking, they're, they're very proud of what they do. And and this, this chap is no exception. He puts some fantastic patisserie together and it is all, all fresh. So it's important to kind of um, have your, your listeners know that, that it isn't just kind of factory style put together and food sense. Yeah. There's a lot of care and attention. Is that reflected in the menu? Like, so the options that you get on a Tuesday, like some day of the week, might there be something Mediterranean or... Oh, absolutely. And, and, and we run the um, the kitchen, um, the patient side of the kitchen in conjunction with what we serve for, for the restaurants. Okay. So it is a case, and you mentioned about wastage. So we wouldn't order an abundance of food and try to overwhelm the kitchen with having such a wide variety of, of menus. cheese or whatever. Well, like, like you, when you watch one of the programmes, it's one of, um, is it one of Gordon Ramsay's programmes where he goes into the restaurant and, and he tears the place apart because the menu is just too big. And he strips them back and says, no, you need to focus on what you're good at. Yeah. So it's similar in, in, in the hospitals. You don't want to have a menu whereby you've got a hundred items between patients and restaurants because it just overwhelms the kitchen you focus on a nice nice variety of menu of course for the patient it can't be that it's just a or b that you can have Mm -hmm. you want to have those choices there but you you couldn't have it in such a way that there's just this carte blanche um, the, the restaurant, like I mentioned, the patients may sometimes like to visit the restaurant, so it's got to be something slight, slightly different there that's just a little bit away from the patient menu. Okay. So it's important. So kind to of similar it. ingredients, maybe fashion. Exactly, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And how often does the menu change? So we look at this, this seasonally, but we put together a menu plan that the chefs will know what they're cooking from, from week to week. Okay. So it's not a surprise for them. So we don't just give them a menu on a, on a Friday evening and say, that's, that's your food for next week, off you go. Yes, okay. they, they'd be used to a certain amount of dishes, which which quite a wide variety, but we'd like to change these up. We have to understand that our, our patients, they're not all from the same sort of age range, demographic. There can be a lot of different factors. So certain patients might like a more old school dish, if you like, something yeah. from the, the 80s, which modern day restaurants might kind of frown upon. Mm-hmm. It's about getting that kind of combination between modern cuisine and something which is a bit more comforting. Yes. So that's the challenge for us to, to have something for all the ages and everybody that's, that's in the hospital at the same time, not overwhelming the kitchen. Yeah, it's fascinating. I remember my grandmother being really excited about the menus, being like, oh, an <laughs> omelette. I think I have the omelette. You think she was on a cruise, like her favourite part of the day was when the menu came around. So what were you working in before healthcare catering? So I've, I've, I've worked in and around the food industry for the last 25 years and I've been in events management. I've worked in hotels, um, restaurants, food consultancy the contract catering world and and it's only these last six years that I've been in healthcare catering so as I've mentioned a few times that it's that difference between the the guest versus the patient Mm -hmm. you know we have to treat them no no different other than you know things that a patient can and can't have they're still a they're still a guest they're still a customer it's just that they don't necessarily want to be Be with us (laughs) yes okay fair enough but that doesn't mean they don't deserve the same level of hospitality 
So I've been trying to draw from, from my career what, what works in the hotels, what works in the restaurants, in the events management, in the, the contract catering. It's about pulling the best elements of all of those and how we can portray that when we're serving the, the patients. And how do you gauge success? Like, how do you feel like, yeah, we're doing a really good job? Do you ask the patients? Do you do a secret shopper kind of thing where you sneak in yeah, and have a meal? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be nice. Yeah. Um, we have um, a, a quality team that works in the hospital and they deal with a lot of patient feedback. That's one element. Mm-hmm. We actively look for feedback with, with our catering management team visiting the patients on, on a daily basis. Not every single one of them, of course, but we try to get around as many as we can to just get some verbal feedback. Mm-hmm. There are comment cards. There's... Um, online survey from time to time we'll put out so we try to to engage with the, the patients as much as we can it's best for us if we can get live feedback yes if okay. we can get it in the moment because if there's some corrective action that needs to be taken place it can happen straight away not six it, months down that, the line that's it and and unfortunately that that can happen and you, you you can get a complaint and it can be a written complaint and it's somebody that's sat at home and stewed on it and that's the thing that we try to to avoid as much as possible mm-hmm. which is why we encourage our catering assistants our catering management team to get up and around the wards and actually asking the question how was your meal anything that we can do better and just engaging to answer your question what's what's a measure of success it's a happy patient leaving the hospital in a much better way than what they came in Andrew Roberts I hope that nobody listening has to ever taste the food because I hope that they don't end up in the matter private but if they do it sounds like they're going to be in very good hands and again thank you for what you did for my husband that time. not at all and thank you very much And thank you for listening to another episode of Basically. I am Stephanie Preisner. Our music is by Only Ruin. Our graphic design is by Kahalo Gara. We're produced by Megan Fox and we're part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. See you next week. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.